0: Hello, friends and enemies. It's episode one sixty one of This Machine Kills. I'm Jathan, joined by Ed and producer Jeremy, as always. And it has been a while since we have caught up with our one of our true friends and true enemies, and just an all around mentor to TMK and to us personally, Masayoshi Son, the visionary founder of SoftBank. And, in a little bit of like your know, theme of looking at doing some recaps, catching up with old friends and enemies. We haven't talked about Masa in a while and, 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 and Masa's had quite, quite a quite a roller coaster of a year. I mean, everyone's having a roller coaster of a year in tech right now. You know, it's not just the crypto death spirals happening. We'll get into that more next week where we're going to have a proper postmortem about all of that stuff. Don't you guys worry. Um, and I would also like to officially and publicly state now that TMK did not have anything to do with Tara's death spiral. <laughs> Our release of the two right. episodes on Shadow Banking, literally a day before Terra death spiraled, was a uh, just coincidence. That's called uh, universal synchronicity. Um, right. And, and we, we did not cause it, nor did we have massive, massive, big short positions on the stable <laughs> right. coin. <laughs>
1: right. I would never short it a coin. I would, I, would never, I would never short anything. I would never short anything. I don't have any positions in that stock market, of course.
0: That's right. That's right. right. Um, and so I will publicly and officially put those allegations to rest right now. And uh, the, the, the official TMK line is the shaggy defense. Wasn't me. <laughs> Wasn't me.
1: Right, right. And they couldn't prove it hypothetically if we did do it which we didn't of course that's right that's right
0: <laughs> but we will have more of a of a postmortem on 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 all of that and talk more about crypto next week um, we've got some great stuff planned for that but for now let's check up on old masayoshi sung cuz you know the the that it's it's not just the death spiral crypto it's also just like tech stocks in general are doing really bad the Nasdaq uh, indexes, which is you know where uh, most you know the 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 ndxt, which is the index of the hundred largest tech firms on the Nasdaq, which is like pretty much all of the big tech firm uh, tech firms trade on the Nasdaq, um, is down by a third since its peak in early November. I'm looking at the Economist right now, and they report that firms in this index have lost a combined 2.8. Trillion dollars in market value. 2.8 trillion. It, 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 this shit is bad right now. Uh, They're they having, they having a real bad time. As the NASDAQ goes down, and as tech firms have massive uh valuations, just like shaved off of them, so too does SoftBank uh feel those effects in a like even more amplified. Way because, you know, SoftBank is not, you know, SoftBank's not BlackRock, right? SoftBank is not a uh, a passive investor just buying the whole index, you know, in the way that BlackRock does, right? So it's like, you know, they are an active investor, you know, with large positions in specific companies. And, you know, unlike with BlackRock, right, where BlackRock's fortunes are in extra. T- t- can't, I can't. I tried to say a fancy word, and I, I knew I was going to trip my tongue <laughs> over it. Jeremy, I'm not even going to ask you to cut that out. I, I'm, I have to, I have to confront my shame.
1: <laughs> we'll, we, we'll send it all out together because I have the same problem.
0: Inextricably. extra Inextricably. There we go. Jeremy just said, <laughs> "Thank you." Thank you. Uh anytime I try to say that word just Jeremy uh, overdub your voice saying it instead of
1: mine. <laughs> um, let me get let me get one clear saying inextricably. inextricably.
0: When BlackRock's fakes are in, intertwined with the with the in, with the indexes, with the S and P five hundred, for example, you know the yo BlackRock goes whatever way the S and P five hundred does. Unlike BlackRock, though, SoftBank, like I said, active investor, they've got large positions in very specific companies, and they have this tendency to have a like an amplifier effect. You know, if if tech is doing really good. Uh, you know, the bubble is really booming. Then SoftBank is on the top of the world. They are doing so much better than everybody else. But when tech starts doing really bad, just by sheer coincidence, uh, the the companies that tend to do the worst tend to be the companies that SoftBank has massive positions in. And so, you know, while the Nasdaq, uh, uh you know, NDXT index might be might be way down. There's like this amplifier effect where SoftBank is filling all of that heat and plus a whole lot more. So Masa, Masa's having a, you know, he would never admit it because Masa stands strong. Um, but you know, underneath the surface, I feel like Masa's having a bad time right now.
1: So the Vision Fund has had a pretty rough year, right? As The Economist puts down, or writes, SoftBank itself has lost about $140 billion worth of stock market value since a peak in February 2021, while um, also reporting a $15 billion a loss for the, a net loss for the year ending in March. But that the lion's share of that, or the reason why there's such a steep, Loss is because there's been a, about a twenty seven billion dollar write down in the Vision Fund's value, and, and to and you know to remind people, there were ninety eight point six billion dollars put inside of the Vision Fund, right, and it has seen losses upwards of twenty seven billion dollars. About half of that. Comes from South Korea's uh, coupon, about uh, 13, 13 and a half trillion dollars. A coupon is one of the many investments that uh, Vision Fund kind of heralded. It's an e commerce company in uh, South Korea. Um, Basically, think of it as like a platform that, like most of uh, SoftBank's products and portfolio companies, is trying to become a monopoly. And then there's also a massive loss coming uh, coming from uh, right down in the value of DD Global, right? Amid China's crackdown, the stock has seen a massive uh, collapse in its price there, right? It's temporarily delisted from the App Store. It's uh, subject to antitrust and data privacy probes, as we've talked about in the last episode. Um, these have been responsible for well over two-thirds of all the losses. But there's also been other changes in the Vision Fund uh, the Vision Fund only, if you look in the earnings report, it only invested uh, $2.5 billion in the fourth quarter of uh, fiscal year 2021. It had invested $10.3 billion the quarter before, $11.3 billion in uh, the same period last year. Right. So what is going on here? Well, part of it is the, as you know, you talked about, Jathan, the ongoing market conditions are pretty, are pretty shit. Um, I mean, they're bad enough in that Vision Fund Two. I mean, and Vision Fund Two also didn't take off because of Vision Fund One's horrible performance, except for a few key areas, a few key investments. Vision Fund Two had about $56 billion put into it. Um, and it's, and it was initially supposed to be other people's capital as well, and it only ended up being soft banks and, and some management company capital. They invested about $41 billion throughout that year, only 14 of which went, uh, public, right? But the reason why overall there's been, uh, hard waters for SoftBank is this crackdown, is the drying up of IPOs, is uh, general worsening in the stock market, in the failure of its North Star uh, unit. You know, you may remember uh, when uh, SoftBank was involved in these kind of ridiculous options uh, that were helping to hedge up some tech stocks or attempting to hedge up tech stocks. Um, and that cost them also another $6 billion. So what, you know, what does the, what does it look like, right? At this moment. Well, as, you know, as uh, the economist writes, you know, they've made a lot of private investments and loss making startups with unproven business models. And they're rapidly being repriced because of higher interest rates that are making, that quote, make companies whose profits lie mostly far in the future look less attractive to investors. There's also the halting of the sale of ARM that was uh, going to be sixty six billion dollars. Now ARM is a British chip maker, one of the, uh, one of the largest chip makers in the world, and it was going to be sold to uh, Nvidia, which is uh, an American chip maker, an even bigger one. This was halted for antitrust reasons, or it was scrutinized for antitrust reasons, and then the deal fell apart after the FTC announced that they were going to that they were looking to try and stop the merger or challenge the merger. All of this is a problem for SoftBank, which, for example, has a lot of its financing through debt. SoftBank has about $140 billion worth of debt. Economist points out that's the sixth largest pile for any non-listed financial firm in the world, and it's not likely that tech markets are going to improve any better, right? As I said before, IPOs have dried up, um, as has interest in investing in any of these funds, right? So you can't exit. You can't exit um, earlier startup investments, and if you can, you can't achieve the ridiculous valuation that you are anticipating when you threw the money at them, right? Mm -hmm. As uh, The Economist writes, that makes it harder for Mr. Stone to realize gains on its early investments in a string of sexy startups, Oyo, an Indian hotel startup backed by SoftBank, unveiled plans in October to raise $1.1 billion from a listing, but more recent reports suggest that the company could cut the fundraising target or shelve the plant altogether. Other holdings, including ByteDance, TikTok's Chinese uh, parent company, Rappi, a Colombian delivery giant, and Klarna, friend and sponsor of the show, the Swedish <laughs> buy now, pay later firm, <laughs> were all rumored to be plausible IPO candidates for 2022. None has announced that it intends to list, and that may not change while market conditions remain rough, which could be for some time. The only reprieve is Arm, which is expected to possibly launch an IPO, right? And if it does that, it will be for about $45 billion in the public market, which is $13 billion more than SoftBank paid for it in 2016, but uh, much less, about $21 billion less than the price that NVIDIA was going to pay for it.
0: And that $45 billion is like the most bullish estimate Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. Arm 'Cause yeah, I, I know you're going I know you get into this. I'm gonna preempt you a little bit, but like some of the more bearish estimates by financial uh analyst um and and, and the economists in particular notes uh Mio Kato of Lightstream Research in Tokyo um, says, that, you know, quote: He struggles to imagine that the chip firm is worth more than eight billion dollars, which would uh, actually be quite a heavy loss <laughs> for uh, for SoftBank. Not not a that fucking successful. big loss, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Not not a uh, thirty-two billion dollar gain as they were hoping with the uh, with the potential sell to Nvidia. But you know, on the more bearish estimate. Could actually be a a, a multi billion dollar loss. Another multi billion dollar loss. We note for SoftBank. Oh man, I'm doing no. I'm doing the nostalgia
1: post. How many how
0: many <laughs> how many how many of y'all out there remember SPACs?
1: <laughs> God, every fucking company wanted to do a SPAC.
0: That that feeling when you SPAC. Spax just hit different back in 2020. <laughs> 2020. Oh my God, I remember Shamath Palah- Palah- Palahapatiya.
1: There see, I don't can plan. say that because
0: <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I put I've respect on my man's name. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: right, right. His uh, SPACs, we should, I'd love to revisit that also at one point and see how they all crashed and burned because as far as I can tell, none of them actually had any positive returns. But that's, that's another episode, right? That brings us to another prong of the analysis uh, that The Economist does, which is the debt. In the near term, SoftBank has bonds that are redeeming uh, about 3.3 billion dollars worth in the current fiscal year, another 6.8 billion between April 2023 and March 2024. And they can cover this. They have about 21.3 billion in cash. Uh the you know as Masayoshi Son points has pointed out, company's net debt as a share of equity value of its holdings has not really changed. It's about 20% and has been consistent for a while. But There are other factors at play, right? Uh, The economist writes, the price of credit default swaps against SoftBank's debt, which pay out if the company defaults. Tell a different story. Across most maturities from one year to 10 years, the swaps have only been more expensive once in the past decade, during the market turmoil of March 2020, as countries went into the first pandemic lockdown. The group possesses other large liabilities, its Vision Fund, which again, if we talked about the $98.6 billion vehicle for tech investments that's supposed to help transform the world into this autonomous, uh, everything's on a platform future. Uh, and that doesn't have any short or medium term debt, but holder uh, there is, um, and we've we talked about this device a little bit in that first episode. Um, there's an 18.5 billion dollars worth of preferred equity holders that get a seven percent coupon no matter what. Right? Doesn't matter if uh, the fund ate shit. Doesn't matter if the fund did a little bit worse than seven percent. They are getting 7% every single year. No questions asked, right?
0: I want to know who those equity holders getting 7% every (laughs) single year. And I, I, I have a, I have a sneaky suspicious. Um, they might be some Saudi Arabian, uh, sovereign wealth fund managers, you Mm -hmm. know, um, maybe have some, some, uh, some, some initials like MBS, you Mm -hmm. know, like I, I got a sneaky (laughs) suspicion that might be who's, uh, getting that, that guaranteed 7% coupon every year.
1: Yeah, the, uh, and we can go into this because the vision fund structure is actually pretty interesting. There's, uh, two types of, uh, commitments, right? There's, uh, the, the 7% annual coup- uh, you know, uh, coupon on your invested capital, which is for preferred LPs or lim- uh, for preferred limited partners. Um, and then there is, uh, common uh, LPs or limited pra- <laughs> uh, partners, which are people who are, uh, simply buying in. A little bit, you know, pouring in some of the money. Fucking commoners. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Um, the LPs who are uh, preferred, right, um, is, you know, some of our friends like, you know, Saudi Arabia, Abu Dhabi, right? Sovereign wealth funds are pretty much like some of the major contributors here
0: they're, as they're well turning as they're turning group. oil into technology and the, right. they're turning oil into the future is what they're doing right.
1: and yeah they are they're doing they're you know they're making uh, the desert bloom the tech desert bloom again and the only common lp as of the time that the fund was uh, at least established and began to start distributing money, was uh, SoftBank Group itself, right? Because they did twenty-five billion dollars. And as we talked about in that first episode, the money that they invested was not actually new, was not that much new capital. It was actually pre-existing equity stakes that they had in other investments moved under um, the Vision Fund portfolio, and then that was to go to investors. Hey, look, we're doing this. Like we're putting in this money, right? Um, and and then. You know, as a result from that distribution, seven percent of that—you know, pretty much everyone is getting seven percent. So, seven percent of what, like seventy-six billion dollars? Uh, so, paying out like what, one point six, one point seven um, billion uh, dollars every year? Uh, that's not a—that's not a cheap thing. And then again, are uh, building onto that? or sorry, my math was wrong on that, right? So, the the seven. To go back, the holders of Abu Dhabi, the, the holder of the, prefer, the preferred coupon, Abu Dhabi, Saudi Arabia, they've put up that $18.5 billion, right? So they get a 7% coupon on that. So that's where the $1.6, $1.7 billion is coming from. On top of all of this, on top of the coupon payments, right? On top of the uh, bonds that are maturing within the next three years, there's also the fact that uh, Masayoshi Son has put up a lot of his own stock. In SoftBank, in this deal, you know, might sound familiar. Um, and so, his funding arrangement with banks offer his own shares as collateral. And so, and we don't have the details of those uh, those deals; they're not really put not really public, as The Economist explains. But this would raise concerns, or probably raises concerns in markets about SoftBank's shares, right? And and if there's the feeling, you know, if the if the credit default swaps are getting expensive. That suggests that the sentiment is that there are going to be some sort of margin ca- uh, call that might force a sale, so then there's uh, you know some downward pressure in the market, and the share price continues to stay at the level it is, which is much lower than the, wor- the, the market capitalization of SoftBank is, is much lower than the estimated value of its assets, even after the massive haircuts that they've taken. Take
0: So it's no surprise then, as you were talking about, um, that, you know, SoftBank shares are trading at a massive discount compared to the net value of its assets because people, people just don't trust. There's no confidence. There's no trust that SoftBank will, uh, will maintain its value that there's no trust that you know there could be as you were as you were talking about you know like a margin call on uh you know the the 6 billion dollars worth of uh of of sun's own stake in softbank um that could cause you know this massive depression of the and downward pressure on softbank share prices i mean this is some real risky business i mean this is like this is high roller like either addicted to the risk and addicted to the gamble or thinking that you are like a untouchable Superman um, type of maneuver here to put up this kind, this amount of stock um, up and have it, you know, and, and be, you know, using it on margin to, for, uh, as, you know, as collateral for other borrowings, right? For other, for other loans. Um, this I mean, this is exactly what Elon Musk is doing for Twitter, right? Is, uh, that, you know, we haven't talked about the details here in part because it's just fucking boring and it's a spectacle, on um, the, like the Elon Musk Twitter deal. And we can see, you know, uh, uh, right before we start recording, you know, we saw that like Elon Musk was sending poop emojis at Twitter CEO, <laughs> and she, you know, like lat, like a few days ago or last week or whenever it was, right? Like he tweeted out that he was putting it, he was temporarily holding off on the deal, you know, like, so, but, but also part of that is I think that, you know, Musk has put up a lot of Tesla shares on, uh, you know, as collateral for, for these loans and so like, you know, this is this is risky business for where all of his wealth is tied up into. I feel like it's a it's a particular kind of person. You know, Elon Musk, Masayoshi's Son, um, who like really, really you know do do these kinds of maneuvers, have such a huge like ego, egotistical view of themselves. Such a you know what they what they see is like this clear-eyed, uh, focused vision, um, of what they want to do and how they're going to do it. And nobody else can get in the way. Um, and it doesn't matter if they, if they bet the whole house on everything, because, you know, they are like so certain that everything will work out for them. Um, everything will, will, everything will, will work out in the end. Uh, and this is what my, this is how like Masayoshi-san talks about, you know, uh, a lot of the, companies that the Vision Fund has invested in. I mean, you mentioned this before, right? But like, uh, you know, it's this idea that a lot of these companies, their their profits are in the future. You know, like it, it's all, it, everything is always in the future. It's inevitable, but it's inevitable at some uh, indeterminal point in the future, right, that like these investments that the Vision Fund has made will make Money, they will make returns, massive returns, untold of returns at some point in the future. You just got to give it time. You have to have vision, you have to have commitment, you have to have faith.
1: You have to have the ability to stomach lose, like $40 billion worth of losses in two years.
0: Exactly. You have to have a, an iron kettle for a stomach. Uh, of course, I mean, we, this is common, right? We hear this all the time that like this, this shit is in the future, right? It's going to happen in the future. It's autonomous vehicles. They're going to happen in the future, Ed. Uh, you know the vision fund is going to make money. It's going to happen in the future. <laughs> like, but all of you know, it's 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 quite absurd. Um, I mean, it's also like equally absurd. You know, we a while ago, and I talked about at the top of show. You know, make drawing the analogy here between like BlackRock, right? We had those episodes talking about passive investors like BlackRock. We had the episodes talking about the kind of like the the makeup uh, of indexes. And it's interesting to draw a comparison, I think, between like the ultimate passive investor of BlackRock, right? Just own the whole stock market and 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 peg yourself to it um, versus uh, uh you know the vision fund, right? Which is the ultimate active investor, right? You, you know, it's all about the uh the 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 singular vision of Masayoshi son. That's like that's a more appropriate name for the vision fund. That's its full Christian name, the singular vision of Masayoshi son. Um and, and it, it's interesting though to compare them where if Masayoshi Sun had just taken that, like what, $98.6 billion, you know, we round up to $100 billion uh, that was in the vision fund um, and just followed BlackRock's lead and just like not even put that all like spread out across different indexes, right? Not even like, like oh, it's all in the SP 500 or it's in the, you know, in the, all these different indexes. Just if he wanted to stick to tech, if he had just put that in, Uh, the NDXT, right, which has taken a big haircut, but still, um, you know, tracking the 100 largest tech firms in the NASDAQ, if he had just put all that money in there, not only would he be one of the largest single shareholders in most of those companies, um, and therefore have like a, a, you know, a lot of power in the companies uh, in terms of, you know, voting and governance, he would also have made a fuck ton more money by doing that, right? Like the returns um, uh, by just being a passive investor into the NDXT would be so much greater for the Vision Fund than his like active investment strategy, um, which has just been nothing but uh, not only not only stomaching huge losses, but also. Causing and creating a lot of collateral damage by bankrolling some of the worst fucking companies in the world. Um, you know, Uber and Klarna and, and all, you know, all of this shit, right? That, that's the real, I feel like that's the real consequence of the vision fund. Um, and maybe it was actually Masa's, uh, like evil plan all along is, you know, my man has transcended money. He don't care about making money. He don't need it, right? Like the like the Vision Fund was actually just a, a ploy to uh, to to not you know make make steady returns, but to instead um, bankroll the creation of some of the worst tech companies to ever exist in the last you know ten years.
1: It's pretty interesting to also consider that you know what would it take for you know for the vision fund also to kind of provide a profit right to people you know and to also extend that analysis that you're pointing out about where that money could go if it were in a regular fund to and 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 also just for reference right the the peak value of uh, the vision fund or one of the, one of the times valuations was in 2021 when it had a value of about 138.5 billion dollars at the end of the year, and this gave it a return of about 40% over four and a half years, right? The S and P over that same period, as the Wall Street Journal points out, is up 72%, and the Nasdaq Composite has nearly doubled over the same period. So you basically you just burned you just burned a quarter of like you know, potential profits that could have been made, right? But the vision fund also lags behind other investment vehicles like you were talking about. They write that the average 2017 launched fund in a similar category, growth equity, was valued at 77% more than what it was, than what was committed as of September 2021, according to fund advisor and manager Cambridge Associates. The vision fund is supposed to last 12 years. But to make money for its investors, right, in an analysis, uh, I think last year, let me pen it, let me pull it up to be sure. An analysis in about 2019, 2020, Axios estimated that because of the coupon payments uh, and because of the 1% annual management fee, which is also an invested cap uh, capital not committed, which means a lot of times the Vision Fund doesn't deploy all the money that it pull, got from um, a lot of time the uh, the Vision Fund doesn't collect money on capital that is sitting there, right? It has to be actually invested, right? So I could have I could have only deployed two point five billion. I am not collecting the money on the um, committed capital. I am co- collecting it on the uh, on the invested capital, right? Um, so SoftBank would have to generate about one hundred twenty billion dollars to break even. One hundred twenty billion dollars to break even. Could you do the math. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. My Easy. COG I got. Star. I got that in my couch cushions. <laughs> right, right. 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 I
0: just. I just call up a couple banks I know, and I get. I get you. I get you that hundred twenty billion uh, by next weekend.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's just like it's just it is kind of fascinating to watch because I think you know we just did our episode on China. We just talked about the two point eight billion dollars Alibaba had to pay. We talked about the the third. Uh, the 30% decrease in its stock. We talked about DD getting shaved off uh, or getting blocked from the app store and the probes into it. Like there have been a lot of things that have crushed the value of this, but at the end of the day, it also comes down to like just a really fucking shitty investment style as you were laying out that is uh, is presuming uh, that tech will be like the growth vehicle. Well, it consumes two things, right? This sort of like one one part optimist, one part monopolist, uh, one part delusional belief that if you just use capital as a weapon, that you can create the market conditions where you'll thrive, right? And you can create the regulatory environment where you'll thrive. But you know, then you have to ask a question like, has that theory worked? Does that theory work, right? Does that theory of uh of, of change work for these corporations? And I mean in and in regular markets, when it's not uh when everything is not shitting to bed, it seems to, uh but For now, the Vision Fund has completely collapsed, right? Which brings us, not completely collapsed, the Vision Fund has uh, a massive hurdle to overcome because a lot of its investments are collapsing under the pressure of their ridiculous business models, right? Because of the increase in interest rates, because of the weird financing mechanisms that they used, because of the drying up of capital from investors in IPO markets, right? Because of the commitments of the Vision Fund that structure where the money is going next, right? Right. Uh, as well as antitrust emboldening in Europe and China and in the United States, the three major markets, uh, as well as the inability to draw more investors to the Vision Fund too, right? The only thing that's really keeping SoftBank afloat is its telecom business, which is softening the blow of these the loss. I mean, it lost $27 billion with the, uh, with the Vision Fund, but only reported a $15 billion loss because... The telecom division is profitable in an actual business, instead of a casino, which is, you know, what most of the Vision Fund One and Two are at the end of the day.
0: I mean, we see this constantly with like the big with big tech companies. Is that they have they have a uh, a quiet arm. Or sector of the company that just makes money, right? Like, like, like they, you know, that's the profit engine, you know, for like Amazon, it's AWS, right? For like Alphabet, it's, you know Google's advertising business. I mean, same for Facebook. It's the advertising for SoftBank. It's what they it's what they were founded as, which is just a straight up telecom company. Um, you know they they have this like the, the yeah this quiet arm of the business that just makes money consistently and bankrolls all of the other you know moonshot and blue sky uh, kinds of things that the company wants to do. You know that the company um, doesn't want to just be boring and and do you know do its fundamentals it wants to expand it wants to go further i mean we see this with amazon right that like you know aws bankrolled like massive loss leading on the e-commerce so that they could expand and dominate that market as well as like the development of you know all these different devices and hardware and and stuff as well um uh, we can see similar things happening with like Alphabet using Google, you know, Google search ad money to bankroll all the other shit that they've gotten into. Same with Facebook, right? Facebook is using their, you know, the ad money to bankroll its ploy into the metaverse, for example. And, you know, but uh, well, I think a big difference here is that all of those three companies, you know, Amazon, uh, Alphabet, Facebook, uh, you know, th- they are reinvesting a lot, a lot, a lot of fucking money into themselves, um, into expanding their own purview, into uh, R, you R and D. Whether it's you know, it's Amazon creating uh, you know a global logistics um, network, whether it's Alphabet creating uh, massive AI. Uh, capabilities, whether it's Facebook create, you know, trying to create like virtual reality, metaverse type of shit, right? But they're reinvesting all that fucking money from the profit engine into themselves. It's very interesting to see SoftBank reinvesting all that so- all that money into a active investment fund, which is then doling out money to ev- you know to everybody else in the market. Like it's wow. a really interesting and kind of bizarre setup, which. You know, sets, I think really sets SoftBank as, aside um, as a, one of these tech companies with a profit engine bankrolling its other activities, but its other activities are um, trying to be uh, a Wall Street hedge fund company. Uh, it, it's it's uh-huh. you know it's quite bizarre. Um, you know, when when we compare it to the like the status quo of other big big tech companies, I mean, people don't even conceive of SoftBank as a big tech company they conceive of softbank first and foremost as a hedge fund as the vision fund um and not like the dominant telecom company in japan and, and 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 you know globally around the world a massive telecom company it's it's really created this interesting and bizarre like identity and reputation for softbank which i think we now are seeing uh uh, uh, this identity crisis
1: unfolding with SoftBank. You know, it is. It's really, it's really something else. You know, I think also one thing I, with SoftBank that I do part of me, not really though, but part of me, Matt, or sympathizes with how bad the investments have been. I mean, like also to your point about the, you know, the attempt to create this perpetual motion engine with profits. I mean, part of the money that they poured into Northstar were funds that were being. Realize the returns and profits that are being realized on investments, on or on exiting investments uh, that they were hoping to then flip into options plays, and they ended up losing uh, by the last count, which is not the updated, fully updated account uh, account. Right, one point five billion dollars. Masayoshi Son said that he lost personally. Um, in 2021, uh, and about seven billion dollars in losses for the company itself. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, one point five billion dollars in personal losses. Uh, that's a bit fucking ridiculous, right? There's, I think, as you said, it is a good. It's it's more accurate to kind of think of it as not as as like a, a hedge fund company with a telecom business attached to it now, right? Which is also Something that a lot of the investors aren't really interested in. I mean, uh, when Elliott Singer uh, came in and did a kind of hostile hostile entrance into the shareholders and started forcing SoftBank and imposing discipline on SoftBank to sell off assets, to pay down debt, to do uh, buybacks, uh, to do uh, share buybacks, um, to be more aggressive in tightening its belt. Right, part of that was because people were talking about the company as a hedge fund and asking, "Why am I going to be paying this much money for a company that is supposed to be a hedge fund but has some of the shittiest returns among them?" What the fuck are you talking about? Right, like there was a forty-one billion dollar asset sale to buy back all uh, to buy back um, an en- enormous amount of shares. Right, it was the largest share back uh, buyback in, in Japanese history. The Financial Times wrote up this on a good report, kind of asking, like, can SoftBank actually uh, handle its debt, right? Because that asset buyback, I mean, that asset sale and the share buyback, you know, also helped reduce the net debt by $14 billion. But that, you know, a swift recovery, you can't, you can't really do that again. SoftBank is not in a position to, emergency, to do an emergency sale like it did two years ago um, because of the market turmoil caused by the COVID disruption. You know, as, they, as, as they've kind of like retread some of the ground here that we've talked about, where they are laying out interest rates, Ukraine crisis, uh, the supply chain crisis, um, interest rates, um, a, uh, triggering a sale in speculative assets, a crackdown in tech. I mean, these are all, of course, issues that are causing it. And we've also talked a bit about uh, the structure of the debt and market sentiment about the ability to pay back the debt. Another thing to also point out is that even when there was a massive share buyback, right, the stock still kind of hit freefall. You know, one investor that, or you know, one investment uh, investor that uh, Robert Smith talks to in his Financial Times report writes that the 7.8 billion dollar repurchase program announced last autumn not only failed to stem the 40 percent fall in shares over the past year, but it has concentrated systemic risk and destroyed. Value. So what's next, right? Alibaba is the cornerstone of SoftBank's portfolio, has allowed Masayoshi Son to uh, touch billions of dollars again when he lost it all in the dot-com bar- uh, burst, when he lost it all gambling on other ridiculous enterprises, right? Uh, Alibaba has been core to some of the collateral deals that he has made, where he has borrowed against shares in the company, Um but if he sells it, then again, he loses the ability to pursue more funding with uh, the debt, with these shares as collateral. So what do you do, especially when Alibaba shares have decreased in value, right? Uh, it's not really clear. You know, I don't know. It's not really clear it kind of to me. I mean I'm cheering I'm happy look you know like softbank has to die the vision fund is a is a rot at the center of the global political economy within tech and it's poisonous and it has encouraged multiple bubbles which are the next thing that we'll talk about it has encouraged business models to proliferate that have no business existing it has encouraged labor violations and regulatory arbitrage it has encouraged this weird development where you have sovereign wealth funds in oil states Destroying welfare states elsewhere so that they can finance their welfare state. It's a, it's, it's a pretty shitty uh, and parasitic global relationship that has emerged, and I'm not going to shed a fucking tear when it all collapses. It is just really fascinating um, to watch it all go down the, the drain.
0: You you're totally right also to bring up that like Masayoshi Son's been doing this shit since the dot com bubble uh you know 20 years ago um and you know which leads me to believe as well it's it's got to be an addiction right <sighs> like this yeah. has got to be yeah. like like the like the high like the highest roller gambling addiction that you've ever that that you've ever seen in history but also like it's at the end of the day it's It's. It feels like it's pretty low risk for him. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, I think one of the reasons why he can stomach these massive losses is, I you know, if it ever came down to it, I think he would have a golden parachute out of it. You know, like he's a multi-multi billionaire. You know, he stomached a one point five billion dollar loss last year, as you were talking about, and you know, he keeps on rolling. Uh, And I feel like, you know, if it ever came down to it. He could share off his stock, his shares uh, in SoftBank, which amount to something like eighteen billion dollars. I mean, you know, a third of that, so six billion, is wrapped up in collateral for other loans, you know, and and stuff. Um, but that still leaves him with twelve billion dollars, you know. Let's say he's got some personal debts and stuff, you know, uh, you know, maybe that's another half. Let's say that's half of that, right? That still leaves him with another six billion dollars. Like if he were just to sell all that off, um, he'd have a golden parachute, you know, even let's speak most conservatively. He might have another, you know, he might, he might leave with a cool billion dollars, uh, in his bank account to just like live out life, having been one of the, the highest, uh, highest rollers. Um, in in history for the last twenty five years, and gotten gotten the the uh, a gambling you know addiction fix in a way that nobody ever has before, uh, and still walk off scot free, golden parachute billion like uh, you know a cool billion dollars to live on for him and his family for the rest of their lives. Like that's just all my speculation, of course, but it kind of feels like. The way he believes acts as if he's got nothing to lose. Because I don't think he actually does personally have anything to lose.
1: No, these people just play with other people's money. They don't really have much to lose. You know, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're not going to destroy the telecom business. You know, just walk away from the liabilities. I mean, I'm sure there are are contingencies in place. He could lose his shares. He could lose control of the company. um, Or he could lose a good chunk of his stake in the company and maybe have to Indulge other investors in who are, who are a bit more predatory Or a bit more activist But you know like you said I mean what are the real consequences To him? Nothing And in the meantime he's kind of you know uh, uh, Set aflame um, A lot of what little Of healthy technological Development was undergoing In the in the world over the past 20 years In the endless pursuit for profits right? Creating God knows how many fucking Tech bubbles which leads us so this beautiful piece by the Economist on tech bubbles that I'm going to read from, just because I love the prose, and you'll get it's it. <laughs> a favorite pastime in Silicon Valley, second only to inventing the next new thing, is bubble spotting. I'm Even already in the- rolling my eyes,
0: <laughs> and doing no. the jerk-off motion right now. <laughs> yeah, it's,
1: uh, we should. You know, uh, the reason why. Uh, a lot of these pieces are anonymous Is because uh, they Use one hand They only write them with one hand You know the, <laughs> other is, the other is busy at work uh, So they, forget, they sometimes forget to put their name on the pieces But that's okay Even industry insiders tend to get these things Spectacularly wrong Quote You'll see some dead unicorns this year Bill Gurley A noted venture capitalist um, Predicted in 2015 The year that incubation of these startups worth more than $1 billion really got going. The game has just become much easier. The sound of bubbles popping can be heard all over the place. Tech shares, initial public offerings, IPOs, blank check companies known as SPACs, startup valuations, and even cryptocurrencies. All the assets that climbed to dizzying heights over the past few years are now coming down to earth. It is harder to say how loudly they will burst and which might still reflate. Now, the decline of tech shares is the most spectacular. The NDXT, the index of the 100 largest tech firms on the NASDAQ exchange, is down by a third since its peak in early November. Firms in this index have lost a combined $2.8 trillion in market value. High-flying startups that went public in recent years have been hit hard, too. The shares of Robinhood are 80% below uh, the level at which the retail trading app went public in July 2021. Those of Peloton, which make internet-connected exercise bikes, have lost over 90% of their value from the peak. As a group, the largest newly listed firms are worth 38% less than the, at the start of the year. Right? And they have a chart that shows Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, Meta. As well as entire sectors, business software, streaming, crypto, payments, social media, e-commerce, the gig economy, all of these are down. And down,
0: down spectacularly, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Like seeing the numbers on displays real I had I had no idea that shit was like you know really dropping off that hard since since uh, the beginning of this year because a lot of these companies if we look at this graph like you know they they hit their peak in 2021 you know they were riding fucking high you know we're in the second year of the pandemic they yo know, they're like you know they are doing fucking great in terms of market capitalization and then come 2022 you know something something happens and they drop rapidly i mean we are talking about like you know, Also, some of these companies have market caps that I truly did not know were this high. Um, I've just lost track over the last two years since a lot of them have jumped up. Yeah, you're doing your whole research project, man. You don't
1: need to pay attention to this make-believe shit. You know, <laughs> That's <okay>? true. <laughs> you that have other make-believe true. shit you
0: have to <laughs> focus on. <laughs> I try. That is true. I try real hard not uh, to to uh, uh, reject day trader mindset, but it can right. be you know, <laughs> right. it can be hard sometimes. But we you are know, not apes. I just want to go over some of these really quick and then get back to the uh, the the article. But Apple, which is Apple's the 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 highest and 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 it has always been head and shoulders above. The, the competition in terms of like the um, tech companies and really just companies globally um, in every sector. But, you know, at their peak in 2021, Apple was was touching $3 trillion in market capitalization. You know, they were at about $2.8 trillion in market cap. Fucking wild. I truly did not know they had jumped up that high. Um, and, and this is from... Where they first, you know, you know, when they first hit that $1 trillion market cap, when they first, uh, uh, leapt over it, that was back in like very late 2019. So since, since, from very late 2019 to late 2021, they added another two trillion dollars, or almost like two trillion dollars, onto their market cap. Um, and but then they've you know now they've lost a lot of that, and they're 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 at a very lowly uh, 2.3 trillion dollar <laughs> market cap. Um, Microsoft is doing very similar. At their peak, they were at. Just over 2.5, and now they've dipped down to about 1.8. You know, Alphabet, similar, you know, they were touching 2 trillion at their tip, uh, at their peak, and now they're at 1.5 trillion. Um, Amazon's taken a a huge hit as well. At their peak, they were at like uh, 1.7 trillion or so, and now they are down to. Um, around 1.1 1.2 trillion you know meta peaked over a trillion and now they're back down to like half a billion fucking you know peasant shit uh in my mind but <laughs> um, you know it, it, it's uh but it, it's it is truly wild to just see this graph and and see the degree to which this shit is made up the degree to which this shit is all imaginary numbers on a spreadsheet that can just wildly fluctuate up and down and to see you know we talk a lot we talk a lot of shit about crypto being volatile and to be sure crypto is insanely volatile to look at the 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 market cap graph over the last just two years um two and a half years uh if we're being kind of these companies and see the roller coaster, the volatility of these companies that are supposed to be like, you know, massive, big, stable, blue chip, grow forever companies, but it looks, their their market cap graph looks, they all look like Mount Everest, you know, rapid ascent to a huge peak and then a, just a fucking drop
1: off beautiful you know this is creative destruction this is the stuff that needs to happen for capital markets to work baby
0: right nobody destroys capital better than capitalists oh, like yeah, yeah. Mar- Marxists could never Anarchists could never destroy capital to a way that not even Masayoshi's son who who is a, he's the fucking joker of the tech world you know he's just burning that whole big pile of money um, not even the uh, even if we throw Masa out the window and look at the people like Sundar Pakai and Jeff Bezos and, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and S- Stephen Apple, you know, <laughs> even if we look at these people, they burn, they, they no nobody destroys capital in a way that they do.
1: Give a man a gun and he'll rob a bank. Give a man a bank and he'll waste all the money inside of it. It'll burn it up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Blow> it up <laughs> that's a, a fucking a good, uh, good little aphorism right there. I like
1: it's, that. It's, that's the that's our that's the TMK twist on the on the OG one. So this leaves us with you know. Uh, looking at all this, right? Uh, pretty clear that the markets are shit, and as they write, it's it's pretty obvious that this is why IPOs have dried up. From January to April 2021, some 150 companies went public in America, most of them techie. This year, only 30 have done so. The boom in SPACs, which go public and then find a startup with which to merge, has imploded, right? Of more than 1,000 such firms that have floated in America since 2018, only a third have merged with a target. Many of those that have done deals have lost their shine. And according to an index that tracks the 25 largest de-SPAC vehicles, they have lost 56% of their value since the beginning of the year. As tech shares crash, they are pulling valuations of private firms down with them. CB Insights, a research firm, reckons that tech startups raised 628 billion dollars globally in 2021 and more than 34,000 deals. Between January and March this year, the number of transactions fell by 5% compared with the previous quarter. The amount of capital invested dropped by 19%, the biggest quarterly decline since 2012. The unicorns booms? The unicorn booms, Superstar investors have been walloped? on May 12th SoftBank which as you know we've been talking about um, revealed that it was that it lost <laughs> that it lost 33 billion dollars in the past uh, 12 months and then that its net loss was 15 billion dollars and although they were meant to reach the moon no matter what cryptocurrencies are also coming a cropper even some hardened hodlers have been getting cold feet on May 12th, Bitcoin, the largest cryptocurrency, was trading below $26,000, less than half its peak in early November. Other digital monies, other digital monies have shed even more value. The next four biggest coins have lost more than 70% since their peak. Non-fungible tokens, NFTs, even more spec- even more speculative titles to digital assets such as art that can be traded have been hammered too. Sales of NFTs and Ether, another big cryptocurrency, have dropped by more than half in recent weeks on OpenSea, a big NFT marketplace. And I think, you know, the the economist is underselling it here. Ethereum is the second biggest cryptocurrency. OpenSea is the largest NFT marketplace, right? All of this shit is uh, down. Crypto is uh, collapsing, has persistent collapse. Stable coins keep collapsing. And then we see in the tech companies that... There's been a huge decline, at least in the operating profit, uh, the growth of the operating operating profits, even as uh, the big five revenues have increased and you know gotten close to $4 dollars. Uh, operating profit has only gone from uh, zero to to, to about one twenty dollars. Should we see the same uh, pattern in streaming? you see the same pattern in business software, in crypto payments, in the gig economy, e-commerce, social media, like consistently you're seeing a huge gulf emerge between revenues and actual profits. And as they go on the right, the industry has suffered from an abrupt reversal of fortunes explains Mark Mahoney of Evercore ISI an investment bank. In recent years, more than one factor gave tech a boost. The coronavirus pandemic pushed life and work online. Government stimulus programs further increase demand, and super loose monetary policy made tech's long-term growth more attractive to investors. Now, people are turning away from screens and leaving home again. The war in Ukraine is creating paralysis, paralyzing uncertainty, and economies around the world are suffering from inflation and soon, perhaps, recession. Then there are rising interest rates. Besides possibly triggering a downturn, they reduce the present value of tech companies' profits, most of which lie far in the future. If inflation does not come down, central banks will pile on more rate rises, putting further pressure on risky tech stocks. How bad will things get? Although stock markets have stabilized a bit in recent days, no one is ready to call the bottom. Just as markets have overshot in in the past few years, they can undershoot. There is more of a consensus over what could happen when the dust has settled. According to Daniel Ives of Wedbush, another investment bank, the tech industry is at a fork in the road. As interest rates go up, he argues, investors will turn their back on more speculative growth stocks and focus on the quality names in tech. No prizes for guessing which ones. Although the combined market value of America's tech giants, Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Meta, and Microsoft has dropped by nearly 25% since November, and their latest results were less stellar than in earlier quarters, they remain safe bets. Together, they booked $359 billion in quarterly sales and $69 billion in net profits. The core businesses are still growing, in particular cloud computing. Collectively, Alphabet, Amazon, and Microsoft, the world's three biggest cloud providers, took in forty-three billion dollars of sales on such services in the first three months of 2022, up by 33 percent a year earlier.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's all—it's always instructive to um, read the the way that the like the the different financial presses cover this shit, right? Like, I think it's, I think it is very interesting that The Economist is devoting this whole art, a whole article to talking about, you know, the, 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 the tech bubble that's, you know, tech bubbles are bursting all over the place as they put it, right? Like, I think it's instructive to also see how they really try to s- describe it in very under, underplayed, uh, downtone, um, sober kind of way as well. Like, you know, they're on one hand, they're, they're ringing the bell, you know, tech bubbles are bursting, but on the other hand, they they want to remain, um, you know, kind of understated about it. Uh, uh, the Economist, to my mind, along with like the Wall Street Journal, like these are the hyper conservative right. um, arms of the, of the financial press. Uh, it's instructive, I think, to also compare this to the way that like the financial times, which I think are the crypto Marxists of the financial (laughs) press, um, have especially, especially their blogs like Alphaville, uh, have been talking about this same subject for a very long time, um, which is not in such sober tones, but in much more, uh, you know, just like like Frank and and up front, like, you know, this shit is is fake. It's imaginary and the 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 bottoms falling out of it. You know, yeah, we got these nice little graphs to show um, you know, there's there's some you know big roller coasters and market caps, and there's this growing um gulf in terms of like revenues and profit. You know, and that's with the big five, right? Companies that are actually profitable. That's not to mention most tech companies. Uh, which are not profitable uh, which means that there's an even wider gulf between revenues and uh, profits because there's no profits there's only losses and 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 instead you know to see that and say that uh, this is this is not healthy right this is not a healthy market and I think the economists is also really want to blame it on exogenous factors which you just which you just went through right like like they really want to blame it on um rising interest rates well if you're a business if your whole fucking industry is premised on zero percent interest rates and if interest rates go up even a little bit then the bottom falls out of your industry that sounds like a you problem
1: right <laughs> right
0: like that 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 doesn't sound like you can't just blame that on uh on some on 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 uh you know, changing monetary policy uh, and be like, oh, no, interest rates have risen a little bit and now our whole industry is uh, insolvent. Like, that that's a you problem. You built it to be that way. You know, similar kinds of things going on as well where it's like, you know, to, to say that government stimulus programs further increase demand, I don't know, man. Like, do you or anybody you know Got a massive uh, injection of demand from a stim- from from government stimulus. No. I, I buy doesn't Biden still owe us a two thousand dollar check? Like, <laughs> you know that's all. That was also something that re- I really rolled my eyes at as yeah. well. Where instead of being like it wasn't demand, it was market capture by these tech companies based on taking advantage of a crisis. Right, like like it is all. I think it is. It's worth you know, as you've been doing, Ed, like reading the way that this, that the the market conditions are described by a a newspaper like The Economist to see this is business telling the side from telling the story from business's perspective, right? Like, but we got, you know, uh, and versus I think, I think even the Financial Times does a much more, um, you know, uh, incisive view that's more aligned with, you know, the TMK analysis, which is more like, no, this is what you're blaming on exogenous conditions, um, you know, it, for, for the downturn. And similarly, what you're, what you're giving credit to increased consumer demand because of government stimulus programs, which the, the underlying, uh, argument here is that that's actually bad because it causes artificial juicing of the market. Like you know, it's it, it's what uh, Larry Summers said, right? The market gets too hot, you know, and that's what the Economist is saying without saying it in in such a blunt way as Larry Summers is. Is that they're saying you know the reason why the the tech bubble is is bursting and and tech stops are precipitously dropping now is because the market got too hot. From all that government stimulus that we were riding high on, um, and now now, you know, we're not crashing back to surface, we're just getting back to to reality. Um, but that's all fucking bullshit, right? like what it is is it's about providing an alibi to never blame anything on structural operations and underlying models of how the tech industry works um or blaming it on the fact that they didn't take there the uh, the consumer market wasn't too hot the uh the tech industry uh, uh captured and monopolized a lot of the market of a downturn caused by the pandemic, right? Like they they took advantage of that. Like, you know, it's always that Rashomon, right? Where there's a lot of different sides to the story, a lot of perspectives that we can tell. Um, But truth is not found in the center. Truth is not found in the synthesis of all those perspectives. I mean, we have to understand them, you know, what the Economist version of the story is versus the Financial Times version versus the TMK version, um, but not to come together and synthesize them into into one objective, you know, God's eye truth, um, but instead to understand how, uh, you know, there there are conflicts of interest happening right now. There's there's a dare I say class conflict happening right now i think that's that's a major overarching uh plot thread or plot line of this uh oh you know of of, the, of this downtime downturn in the tech sector um is i think there's a lot of a lot of chickens coming home to roost um a lot of a lot of conflict that's happening between companies that have tried and largely succeeded in uh, monopolizing and dominating markets uh, 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 squelching competition uh, capturing consumers, causing us to become dependent uh, and reliant upon their their services. Um, and you know and now you know now I think all now some of that is starting to dry up, you
1: know some of that is starting to dry up. Inshallah, and I think that kind of then leads us to, you know, the final kind of thrust of this article, where they're kind of laying out. Okay, look, like older tech, hardware stuff. This seems to be doing good, right? We Intel's down by thirteen percent since November. IBM is up by twelve percent, right? There are businesses in software. You know, they're doing business to business shit, or the um, You know, we have people like Adobe, Oracle, Salesforce. Steady sales, high margins, possibility to rebound fast. Uh, They write also, hard though, it may seem given Coinbase's crash on May 11th, so may payments and crypto platforms which have joined the financial mainstream, right? Um, We'll see about that. Uh, (laughs) The cybersecurity firms and CrowdStrike and Palo Alto Networks, uh, they are they you know, anticipate there's a possibility of a rebound because of a fear of Russian or Chinese cyber attacks that Palantir could step in because of geopolitical conflict, right? Um, their share prices have plunged on 20% after our May 9th, um, earnings show that sales glow, uh, sales growth has, uh, slowed down. But then they go on and they write persistently unprofitable gig economy firms look shakier. Uber, the ride-hailing and delivery champion, which reported on May 4th that trips and users rose by nearly a fifth year-on-year in the first quarter, still lost nearly $6 billion. The heavy repricing of video streamers with multi-billion dollar content expenses and reversing Netflix or even steady Disney uh, subscriber growth may be permanent. The same may be true for second-tier firms in areas such as social media, Snap, or e-commerce, Shopify, which are dominated by Meta and Amazon, respectively. It would be wrong, they write, to compare the tech slump to the bursting of the dot-com bubble two decades ago. Back then, companies had neither healthy balance sheets nor promising business models. Nowadays, many of them have both. The stomach-churning market drivers. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we're calling bullshit on that. Um, (laughs) The stomach-churning market gyrations are unpleasant to a generation of tech founders, workers, and investors who have lived a long bull run, but they are unlikely to stop digital technology eating the world. That ending, I think, is also one of the reasons why we read the business press, because at a certain point where the argument seems to be going in one direction, ideology comes in. And they start mm-hmm. talking about technology is going to eat the world and software is going to eat the world and how these business models are prof- are really promising if you just give them enough time. No, they're not. What has happened is that the, the a ridiculous amount of tech capital has flooded the world. A lot of companies have pretty fucking horrible business models and look like shit and are shit and we're not looking like shit because you could get an exit or a return that was otherwise unsustainable, right? Or because they were trying to do a monopoly or because they were trying to achieve an illegal outcome by changing the law so that it was now legal, right? These are not, it's not a workable business strategy to break the law. And I mean, it is, but it's not like, it is not something that you should reward in capital markets. If you're really into um, efficient capital markets, you should not reward an inefficient, unprofitable firm for breaking the law and changing the law so that now it's allowed to operate legally. Right. And that's what a lot of these companies are doing at the end of the day, especially in the economy, especially in crypto where they're selling unregulated securities. Um, But in the name of innovation and progress. Right. But at what cost in externalities, you know, is something that these places don't care.
0: It's the way this, this, this article bookends itself, right. With being like, you know, uh, a favorite pastime in Silicon Valley is inventing the next new thing, blah, blah, blah. And then we go through all of this detail about how all, how all that shit is done and it's down and it's depressed. Uh, and there's nothing, you know, nothing new on the horizon, but then, but then they got to ideologically whiplash you back into action and be like, but as we all know, digital tech is going to eat the world and nothing we can do to stop it. Yeah, you know, I it, 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 you're right. I mean, it, it, this is why we read the business press. Uh cuz it it real they cannot help it. They have to they have to uh you know, talk about, you know, they have to fill out all of this like You know, we're we're just, it's just graphs and numbers and figures and positivist economic analysis, you know, scientism, uh, stewed to a perfection, Um, and then, and then, but at the end of the day, we always got to hit that ideological whiplash, snap you back into position uh, and say, but, you know, fear not. Uh, you know, all of this stuff is not, you know, these downturns will not last forever, nor are they the fault of uh, endogenous uh, conditions or business models. They are, in fact, um, our enemies. Uh, they are our enemies, slandering our greatness, trying to stand in the way of our inevitable march um, to domination and conquering the world. Uh, and we will prevail. Uh, That, that's always the, that's always the, the message of these analyses, uh, and of these articles. We are definitely at time. Uh, we are well past time. I don't even know what time for TMK means anymore <laughs> right. uh, in terms of episode links. But that's how they ended uh, one
1: of the reports that we were reading from. They said Masayoshi Son waxed phys- philosophical and talked about how they needed more time, um, but that may not work in SoftBank's favor.
0: Some shit like that. <laughs> it was uh, Masayoshi Son said, said, "Quote: The only cure is time." He mused philosophically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With that, well, that that's that's TMK's time. Uh, <laughs> we have done a, a a good revisit of our of our friend and mentor Masayoshi Son. Um, our one true enemy and one true friend—the synthesis of that dialectic—is uh, Masayoshi Son. Um, you know, looking at the downturn of the tech uh, of the of the larger tech sector. Um, so, you know, I I feel like a lot a lot a big theme for this for the episodes this month is like uh, is a review of the last couple years. Um, for regulation, for the stock market, for investment, and so on, um, and we will hit y'all yo uh, next week with more to come. Some postmortems on um, the crypto economy. It's not down. Is I mean, it's down. It's not dead. I am. Hi- I I will talk about this next week. I am highly skeptical um, that we can or should derive. Larger conclusions about the state or fate of crypto from Terra's death spiral. Um, I am I am skeptical of the overly optimistic bearish predictions, but I am also always happy to be proven wrong. Uh, On these things but we'll get into that next week so until then find us on patreon.com slash this machine kills for more episodes every single week uh, diving deeper into these topics we have long running series that are patreon only like our book club so listen to all that then Um, and then we so we uh, until then Adios. adios